Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. Some of those macro changes in terms of consumer psychology during the pandemic, what have they been? I want to support my health with the products that I'm putting into my body, check. I want to buy these products online uh, at an arm's reach and in, in a way that I can acquire them safely, check. And I want them to be affordable and accessible within the budget of a broad variety of income levels, check. You know, value creation is certainly a function of operational execution and market share gains. It also helps when you're in the middle of a massive secular trend, health, wellness, and being friendly to the environment. Some management teams see that as a burden. Others have the passion for it and the agility to maximize the opportunity. So, you know, when you think about those macro consumer trends that have evolved during the pandemic, this is a brand that is in lockstep with those. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. You've probably seen ZV in a variety of places that you shop. The company produces a wide range of cold beverages from soda to tea to energy drinks, all with zero sugar, zero calories, and the natural ingredient stevia. CEO Patty Spence and President Amy Taylor have an amazing vision, and thanks to their recent public offering, they have a balance sheet to accelerate it. Simply put, their total addressable market is massive, and over the coming years, the company has a real opportunity to reach consumers around the world with a super compelling brand proposition. On today's episode, you'll gain a greater understanding of Zevia's strategies, outlook, and most importantly, how they strive to improve the health of our planet and the people on it. So let's grab a Zevia and enter the arena with Patty Spence and Amy Taylor. Before my first question, I'm going to do this. <laughs> nice. That's the root beer, uh, which my kids are totally in love with. Uh, absolutely amazing flavor. And I know there's so much pride that goes into everything that you make and manufacture, and you're doing it for an incredible reason. Why don't you guys just take us through, you know, the whole mission statement of Zevia, what you guys do every day. That'd be super helpful. You're a, a very powerful one-two punch in terms of, uh, of experience. So uh, uh, why don't you let us know what you do? Maybe I can talk for a moment about kind of how we got here, Tom, and hand it over to Amy to talk about our opportunity going forward. But 
you know, my involvement in the Zevia brand actually precedes, uh, or my involvement in natural sweeteners precedes my involvement in Zevia by almost a decade. So back in 2001, my wife and I actually went off of sugar. And I thought I was a healthy guy and was active and running triathlons and shopping at a natural and organic food store. But we did a food journal for a week, and I learned to my horror and surprise that I was literally getting 250 grams of sugar a day, all from natural and organic sources. So literally 1,000 calories a day from things like protein smoothies and sugar in my tea and energy bars. So we made a change back in 2001 and went off of sugar. And it was at that time that we discovered stevia, which is really a life-changing ingredient. And, you know, it's got all the sweetness and enjoyment of sugar, but with no impact on blood sugar and no caloric value. So we switched to stevia instead of sugar back in 2001. It changed our lives personally. I felt better every day. I had more energy without those spikes and crashes. Fast forward to 2010, I saw this product on the shelf at Whole Foods, and I thought, I'm a sample of one, but this would bring me and so many Americans back to the soda category. So we partnered with the founders back in 2010, and we've been building this business with a 32% net sales annual growth rate for a decade. So fast forward to today, Amy joined the team about a month before our IPO, had been an independent director at Zevia, and brings, as you noted, 20 years of really incredible business building background in the beverage category. And when you look at our opportunity going forward, it is just tremendous. And maybe, Amy, you can talk a little bit about kind of what we see as the landscape and the opportunity that gives us so much confidence in our ability to scale this business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, first of all, we exist to take metric tons of sugar out of the diets of the communities that we serve. And we do that while also replacing the plastic bottles that are so prevalent within our industry all these years. So taking plastic bottles out of our roadways and waterways, we don't make a single plastic bottle and never have. And then finally, we do so affordably. So I think one of the things, one of the dynamics you might notice about natural and organic options or products that have plant-based ingredients uh, that are better for you across the board is they're often not affordable for just your average household. And so we aim to take metric tons of sugar and remove plastic bottles from roadways and waterways uh, in a way that's that's accessible for for almost every you know American North American household today. So, uh, you know, as you know, I, I just joined the organization four or five months ago, and I did so because it was such a clear business opportunity, as well as such a clear opportunity to make an impact on the planet as we scale. And literally, as we grow more consumers, we take more sugar out of the diets and we remove more plastic bottles from, from the roads and the waters. And so that's what we're excited about doing. Why do I believe we can do it? I mean, the product platform is so on point for where the consumer is today and where the consumer is going. So we're just excited about introducing ourselves to more consumers, to move beyond the natural where we've been dominant into convenience, into conventional uh, grocery, growing our business in club, and and then eventually um, taking sugar out of the diets of communities outside of North America. Yeah, you always think about... Um disruptive uh, companies as technology companies, but you're certainly a disruptor. And, and like you said, Amy, super on point. How do you get people to discover the brand? And then how do you get them to be uh, repeat purchasers? Well, one of the things about this brand is, uh, as Amy said, over 80% of Americans are trying to reduce their sugar intake and 60% trying to avoid artificial sweeteners. So there are so many doorways to this brand. And part of what has been so compelling 
is our platform strategy, okay? So we have incredible consistency across the line. Every one of our products has the bubble sweetness and enjoyment that beverages provide, but with a handful of simple plant-based ingredients. And so a consumer doesn't even have to read the label. She picks up a Zevia product. She knows it's water, stevia, flavor, and citric acid, end of story. So that sustainable, consistent ingredient platform allows so many doorways to the brand. And we really do have an offering for every family member, every time of day, and every usage occasion now from the moment you wake up until the time you go to sleep, spanning soda, energy drinks, mixers, kids' drinks, and organic organic tea. But Amy, from a marketing and a kind of brand building perspective, maybe you can talk a little bit about what makes this brand just so exciting to consumers. Yeah. And maybe I'll flip your questions around and start with what makes them repeat. I mean, you just got to live up to the promise that you've made to the consumer. And so we've promised the consumer that they can have the sweetness and enjoyment of soda or the refreshing experience of sipping on a tea or the uplifting experience of drinking an energy drink. And we've promised them it's going to taste great. And we promise them zero sugar, zero calories, and all plant-based simple ingredients. Every product we bring to the market improves upon the last. We really believe in just this idea of iterative improvement. One thing that's really exciting and, and a bit tactical, but it's practical as well, is that largely for most beverage brands, the number one driver of awareness is in store. So there's almost nothing more important for us than to look like a leader at retail and to expand our presence at retail, both on the shelf and at multiple points of interruption throughout the store. And then the next opportunity that will help to shape Zevia's next chapter is to invest in what I'll call pull marketing, not just the push tactics of retail, but pull. So to reach people where they live, work, and play the cold can of Zevia, the right product offering. And as Patty said, we've got something for every member of the household throughout multiple day parts. So we look forward to unlocking the power of our existing communities and driving other grassroots and pragmatic pull tactics to bring more trial into the franchise and therefore bring more consumers down that funnel. And it sounds to me like you're doing everything you can to support the retailers who support you. That's a huge strategy. How has going public accelerated your ability to do that and grow? Because obviously, Patty, you've been doing this for 10 years and Amy, obviously a little bit newer to the company, but you're a, a ninja at doing things like that. What are the tactical components of, of getting that done with, uh, with a, a balance sheet that uh, can really separate you from the pack? You certainly hit on on one of the, the attractive elements of going public, which is strengthening our balance sheet and having the financial resources to continue this rapid growth going forward. So certainly that's been exciting. I also think, though, as a public company, we've been able to raise our profile as a brand, and we're still in the very early innings of that, of course. But the concept that literally 7 billion people around the world can get involved in this company, not just with the products, but as investors, is really exciting. And so, you know, I think as a a consumer brand that's a disruptive brand. There's so many ingredients that get not only consumers excited, but also investors. And I think we want to see that synergy going forward to continue to fuel our continued growth. I think there's a couple ways in which going public help support us in our ability to be a better partner to retailers, to your point. And how can we partner with retailers better? We can build in-store strategies that help to move high margin, strong 
velocity products through the door, right? Through the register. That's one thing we can do. And th those are the push tactics. And the other thing we can do is to help drive foot traffic and foot traffic, meaning high value shoppers in the door. So I'll just give you a, a little nugget as an example. We look at the energy drink category, which is obviously hot and exploding and driving much of the growth uh, within total beverage. Energy drink shoppers that are Zevia purchasers spend 83% more than energy drink shoppers on the whole. So for us as a partner to a retailer to bring a high value shopper like that, they're going to walk out the door with a higher basket ring in general. So one way that we can support our retailers is to take the strength of our new balance sheet now as a public company, invest that out in the marketplace and bring high value foot traffic into the store. And then the second way we put that capital work in store is to buy equipment. And so specifically racks and coolers that help build multiple points of distribution within one store to again, help increase velocity, but also just trigger trial purchase for new shoppers. So net net, we have strength on both sides, both in our route to market and then in our interface with shoppers and, and customers through going public. COVID put almost every company on defense and rightfully so. But playing defense can have a silver lining. It allows management teams to reprioritize what they do and focus on important issues like supply chain. I asked Patty and Amy how they were able to quickly react and ensure that their product was able to make it to the shelves. One of the things that uh, as an emerging brand that is in our wheelhouse is resilience, being resilient, right? That's what you are as an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, this is a business that has been able to uh, ride various business cycles through the years and continue to grow at that 32% compound annual growth rate in terms of net sales for a decade. The pandemic has created some pretty darn unique challenges within the beverage segment. And let's start with an aluminum can shortage. Okay, as we saw a tremendous volume and category dollars shifting toward at-home consumption, there was a, a tightness in the aluminum can market. And uh, one of the things I think this organization has done extremely well at is being nimble from a supply chain perspective. We got ahead of that supply tightness. We diversified our sources of supply. We built empty can inventory, and we've maintained 95% plus service levels throughout the pandemic. So, you know, I think that's part of our organizational DNA is being nimble. And to your point, now as we exit or return to some sense of normalcy in, in various elements of that supply chain, we're able to continue to innovate and continue to grind down the efficiency of our system and take cost out of that system. And so, you know, one of the neat things about a business like ours is scale is an incredible opportunity to reduce cost, okay? And scale benefits will many times outrun inflation. And so when you look at the scale benefits that this business receives in discrete channels, geographies, and product lines, on something like freight, you know, as you scale from shipping a single pallet to a full truck, you get tremendous benefits in freight. Those tend to outrun inflation. So I guess net-net, we're a nimble organization, always have been, and we've been able to innovate during the, uh, the pandemic and really leverage our efficiency, find opportunities, and as we start to return to a more normal situation, I think just continue to grind out efficiency. I think it's also worth noting that we are the number one beverage sold on Amazon. Not just the number one zero calorie or plant-based, but number one. So we obviously have a number of households in the United States that stock Zevia through digital means, right? To take the insights 
gleaned there during the pandemic when everyone was at home and translate that into both brick and click and additional e-commerce platforms, as well as to start to build on our single-digit household penetration in retail is a tremendous opportunity now that shopping habits have changed. So it's a long way of saying we are better positioned to shift into increased household penetration as being an organization that already knows how to get sort of through the last mile into the to the household. And, and every household we gain is very, very valuable. And another just cultural point is that coming out of during and coming out of the pandemic, and especially with access to information that we all have today in the modern world, people are simply trying to live better and healthier. And, you know, at Zevia, we're all about living your best. I mean, we're not here to lecture you or give you stats on your diet or, or talk about being a, quote, diet product. We're not a niche offering that belongs in, in the natural channel alone or in your natural section of your grocery. We are a mainstream carbonated beverage that is all about fun and all about living your best. And through the lens of a world who actually wants to live better, that wants to reduce sugar, who doesn't want to take in artificial sweeteners, we are very well positioned to be a source of joy and delight and escape and community and, and social moments through beverage in a way that doesn't have a single downside. So for a community that wants to live their best in a period of time and an up-and-coming generation who comes through this filter of seeking to live their best, we're very well positioned. And we'll leverage that in our messaging, in our sampling, in our arm's length availability through both e-commerce as well as retail and eventually in food service and convenience environments. You know, as Amy noted, some of those macro changes in terms of consumer psychology during the pandemic, what have they been? I want to support my health with the products that I'm putting into my body, check. I want to buy these products online at an arm's reach and in, in a way that I can acquire them safely, check. And I want them to be affordable and accessible within the budget of a broad variety of income levels, check. So, you know, when you think about those macro consumer trends that have evolved during the pandemic, this is a brand that is in lockstep with those. Yeah, and I was glad you brought up a community because that's loud and clear on the website. I'm wondering if it's a two-way street between your customers and yourselves, and um, that leads to innovation, which is the lifeblood of every company. Uh, with, with the balance sheet that you have and the size and scale that you're attaining, how do you approach innovation at a company that already seems to have innovated like beyond what most uh, most of your competitors seem to do? How do you approach that? Well, I can talk kind of at a high level conceptually about how we approach it. And I think it's pretty unique within the beverage space. And, and really, you know, it's that continuous improvement approach. We wake up saying, how can we make this product and this brand better and more compelling every single day? And, you know, the category leaders have incredible secret formulas that they've locked in a vault for 100 years. But we think the world's changing really rapidly. And so we are evolving and we're listening to our consumer and we're evolving in conjunction with them. And I would just note, you know, we were the first brand in the carbonated soft drinks category to take out GMOs and become non-GMO project verified. We were the first major brand to remove caramel color, which the state of California says is linked to cancer. We listen to consumers and continually evolve and iterate the product, not just from an, a purity standpoint, but taste as well. So Amy, I don't know if you want to talk uh, kind of about that two-way street and how we innovate with consumers and how innovation maybe is our superpower. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you you hit on something really interesting, which is the relationship between community and innovation. So ideas can come from anywhere. And there are, I mean, if we had a couple hour podcast, I'd get Patty going telling stories about how he and his family have played with natural ingredients in the kitchen. And that ends up uh, giving birth to a new Zevia flavor or even a new category. And it's, it's really that grassroots, um, agricultural and organic in both sense of the word and how we develop flavors. But there's a couple points I'll build on. One is, you're right, we have a community and it's a two-way street and we have a dialogue around what they want to see from Zevia. So as an example, right now we have two new energy drink flavors that are available on Zevia.com that will hit the mainstream market via retail and mainstream e-commerce early next year. But those flavors first went to our community where we got feedback and frankly, a lot of excitement. And then maybe another thing to to add to that, when we talk about what is our superpower, it, coming on board full-time in our organization right about the same time as me is a, a guy named Dr. Mel Jackson, who I think most would agree is the world's preeminent expert on stevia as a sweetener, the plant. And his real passion is just plant-based solutions for health and plant-based sweeteners. So he's an individual that is a world-class expert at harnessing the power of that leaf, right? At, at looking at all of the sweetening compounds within the stevia leaf and continuously improving the flavor profile of our entire product offering and bringing new ideas forward. So the net sum is ideas can come from anywhere. They can come from Patty's Kitchen. They can come from feedback or ideas from our community and our broader consumer base. And then they can come from the world's preeminent expert in using anything other than chemicals or sugar to sweeten your product. So in other words, healthy, simple, plant-based ingredients. And so with that, we come with new products like this year's launch of Creamy Root Beer, which very quickly became our top selling 10-pack and multiple key retailers because the flavor is just great. As you mentioned earlier, it's awesome. Uh, it just really hit on point for our, our community, for a love for nostalgic flavors, or maybe in some cases for Gen Z who had never really experienced a root beer like that before. And what we learned is in putting creamy root beer out in the marketplace is that about 31% of those that bought a Zevia creamy root beer hadn't had a Zevia before, at least as measured in the last six months. So we're bringing new consumers into the franchise, even as an organization that already has a huge portfolio of variety, all these new flavors start to trigger new purchase from uh, additional consumers as well. Yeah, that's super interesting. And, and you know, everything that you guys have discussed today really sets the company up uh, for the long term. Now, I used to be a sell side analyst. I did it for eight or nine years. It's a new ball game being a public company. But, you know, measuring a company in 90 day intervals while it's going to happen, there's no question about it. That's not really how you build something big and sustainable. One area that uh, sometimes there's friction on with Wall Street is price increases. And I see that across multiple companies. Most of the companies that build a successful business over the long term always want to be providing value to, to their customers. What's your philosophy on pricing and how does that relate to building something really sustainable and long lasting and much bigger than it is today? You know, it's a great question, and I think it's one of the really fascinating things about this brand is we are able to have a product that's uh, premium to the category leaders, yet affordable for Americans or consumers of a broad range of income levels. And part of that starts with the fact that carbonated soft drinks are among the least expensive beverages on the shelf, and that includes bulk still water. 
And so today we are at the 36th percentile on affordability across all non-alcoholic or liquid refreshment beverages. In other words, 64% of products are more expensive than Zevia. So we're premium to the category leaders, highly affordable for consumers. From a, a retailer perspective, we actually generate an outsized margin relative to the category leaders. And for our own business, we've got a strong gross margin. And so really, it is almost the best of all worlds. We've been able to have a product that's accessible to consumers. You know, And when you tell someone, hey, here's this can of soda, it costs 80 cents a can, it's got no calories, no sugar, simple plant-based ingredients people are like, where do I sign up? It's, it's an incredible value. And so again, you know, one of the neat things about our categories, we can be affordable for the consumer, generate outsized margins to the retailer, still have a strong gross margin internally. And I think, you know, we're in an inflationary environment, you know, we're seeing cost pressures, not just for our brand, but across the beverage category and across consumer packaged goods in general. When you're starting out at that 36th percentile on affordability, you are in a phenomenal place because as category leaders take price, you can migrate up and still be at a very affordable level relative to two-thirds of carbonated or, or liquid refreshment beverages. Yeah, just quickly, we mentioned earlier that affordability is a, a critical part of our mission, and that'll never change. But there's also, from a marketing perspective, two really important considerations when reinforcing one's positioning, right? And our positioning is one that is premium and accessible. And so what are those two things that are critical that both of which we have the opportunity to, to work with and levers to pull next year and going forward? Packaging and price. So we have room to continue to strengthen our position as a premium product through price, and that would indicate price increases, whether that be across pack or geography or channel, and then packaging. And so we have pack design opportunities to reinforce our premium but accessible positioning, and both of those will be a focus for us going forward. Yeah, it's such a great place to be. A lot of um, companies make the wrong decision because they're motivated by different things and they kind of outgrow their brand positioning. I'm not a marketer. I don't want to get out over my skis, but uh, you know, you do see a brand lose their uh, connection with consumers if they mishandle that pricing lever. And uh, it sounds like you got a lot of room to, to go, but do it judiciously and, and not in a way that's ever going to compromise the brand connection with uh, retailers and end consumers, I assume. And, and I know you take being a public company very seriously as, as you should and, and pay a lot of attention to the investor community. What do you think investors miss when they sit down with you? Well, I think, you know, investors, until they've had the product, sometimes don't understand how game-changingly amazing it is. And so, you know, I think for us, a lot of it starts with really understanding the appeal of the product. But I also think, look, we're in a, in a very consolidated category where our peers in the public markets are companies with, uh, call it 100 times our market cap. And so when you're competing against, candidly, some of the most impressive brands in the world in the first six months, you might not be seen as a peer to those. But I think one of the things as a disruptor and as an entrepreneur is it's not if, but when. And, you know, I will tell you, I strongly believe I have two daughters, a 10 and a 12 year old, and I don't believe that the go-to soda company for them in 20 years is the one that I grew up with. 
And I'm not certain that it's going to be Zevia, but I can tell you we are better positioned than any company out there to be that go-to soda brand and go-to beverage brand for the next generation. And so, you know, I think it's that long-term mission that gets us excited. And we, you know, it's incumbent upon us to just continue to generate the strong growth and the financial performance that's gotten private investors excited for a decade. We are brand new in the public markets, just getting started telling that story. And I can tell you when folks understand the story, when they understand this management team. And when they try this product, they say, this is an incredible business. This is a disruptive opportunity that is changing the world one can at a time today. Just wait in terms of how this brand's going to develop going forward. Yeah. I think it's two things on the macro. It's the degree to which the world is changing and consumer preferences are changing. So, you know, the big guys, category leaders are scrambling to either introduce new products through acquisition or innovation, often unsuccessfully, or more successfully to double down on their zero calorie offering, and that's working. But the new consumer demands more than that. And I think as all of us sit here today, if I can size us up, I would imagine we all grew up in a similar era where you had to pick between sugar or harmful chemicals that are either sweeteners or coloring agents, et cetera. You had to pick between them. And this radical notion that now with Zevia, we invite millennials and Gen Z to not have to choose, right, with plant-based, great-tasting products in multiple categories. So that's the macro opportunity that I think generationally, if I think about investors, it may or may not land with them based upon how in touch they are with how much the world is changing. But on a more micro and immediate observation is how with this scrappy and entrepreneurial company, which has been driving their business one step at a time in a very steady growth rate for just over 10 years, there are some real regional and customer-based differences in how we show up. And so for the investor community, if they were in a region or with a retailer where Zevia has a full brand block with 14 great tasting flavors of soda at eye level, from the top shelf down to the bottom, four to eight feet wide across the grocery and had cold singles available, they would start to picture, what if it looked like this in every grocery store in America? It is a really interesting point because I remember when Chipotle went public, completely different business. They were located generally in Colorado and Denver. And the exercise on the TAM was to say, okay, you look at Denver and then you multiply that out across the United States or the world or whatever. And that's something that really has legs, really sustainable over a long period of time. And it sounds like that's, um, you know, kind of a similar exercise in a way that investors could really look at the company. Well, exactly. And I think part of being an entrepreneur is is realizing that the world already has changed and you just recognized it earlier. And to Amy's point, it's about finding the populations in the communities that have already recognized that, right? And you could go to certain parts of the U.S., and not see a Tesla on the highway and say, man, I don't know about this company. I'll tell you what, in California, it's every other car on the freeway. And similarly, you know, 30 years ago, you could uh, go to communities and say, gosh, I'm not sure about this Apple computer. Talk to graphic designers. They felt otherwise, right? To them, the world already had changed with the Mac. It just took a while for folks to catch on to that. And I think, you know, we absolutely see that the world has changed in terms of folks avoiding sugar. 
right? And the the highly incremental and exciting proposition is that the category leaders in the beverage industry are focused on their existing core consumer base, which is older consumers. We've introduced a brand new and highly incremental consumer set to that solution, which is the young Gen Z and millennial shopper who also is looking for zero sugar products that deliver on taste. So that's the incremental piece that a lot of folks maybe don't quite understand. They get that the world's already changed in terms of sugar, but guess what? We've got a highly incremental and unique solution that we're bringing to the retail community. Yeah. Obviously, Zevia is a great disruptor, massive uh, total addressable market, amazing team. You guys have uh, unbelievable track records and obviously a, a massive passion for the brand, well-financed, and most importantly, a track record of making it happen. This isn't like hey, we're getting together and we're going to do this. You've done it for a long period of time with incredible results and obviously great at attracting and building a team. And that's really what it's all about. So it's a big opportunity for people to take a look at the company and, and obviously, more importantly, uh, get to the store and check out the product or buy it on Amazon or whatever. And the website's incredible as well. So thanks so much for talking to Welcome to the Arena today. And uh, we look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you so much for having us. It was great to be here. I really enjoyed it. At the end of the day, ZV is a really interesting company. They're an innovator, a disruptor, and they're in the middle of a massive secular trend. They have a track record of operational and financial success that spans many years, and they've been able to bring in top-tier talent that should help move the needle. Importantly, they have a very big and vast addressable market, and they have a balance sheet to invest in growth. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app or leaving a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. I'd like to thank Patty Spence and Amy Taylor of Zevia for a great conversation over great drinks, especially the new root beer. Definitely try out some of their products if you haven't and go to their website. I'm your host, Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.